you guys would, if you would turn in your Bibles, I tell you what, we're going to read one verse out of Proverbs, but if you want to, we're going to do a little bit more digging when we get to uh, uh, one of our points. So if you would turn to uh, Matthew chapter 16, we'll be there in a couple minutes. What do you do when you preach your first message as a senior pastor? That was the question I had when about uh, two months ago when the pastor told me that he was going to recommend me and he was going to retire and go to Greenville and hang out with his grandkids and, and all that stuff. And then I had to wait to see if, if, if God was going to have us to be here, and, and that happened. And I had all sorts of ideas. And God led me against all those ideas to start something new, to write some new things. And uh, I think maybe it would be best if I shared with you the vision of this church, the vision I have for this ministry. So we're in a starting a series of messages called Catch the Vision. Now, over the last several weeks, we've had a lot of basketballs in here. They've been throwing around and stuff. I thought about bringing a ball in and start throwing at y'all today. We'll do that later, not today. But Proverbs 27, 18 says this. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. This word vision, it's a dream or a revelation. Um, it's kind of it's the act of, of seeing external objects. And, and, and when you add faith into this, it's in the way the scripture mentions this vision, it's a revelation from God. It's an appearance or an exhibition of, of something supernaturally presented. And it, it happened to the prophets. You, you see people like, oh, Isaiah and Amos and Ezekiel. They had visions and they had dreams. And it's like having a dream house. My wife, we just bought a house back in March. And uh, it, it ticked off. She had a list of stuff, you know, and she's ticked off all but all. Most all of them are house fits. She has a dream house. How many of you guys watch HGTV and look at all those dream houses? Yeah. You know, I watched all that stuff till I got a house. This, is, this house is my house now, so that's my dream house. But in all reality, I don't really get a dream house. I might get a dream room. Right now, I don't even have a dream room. But I do have one in my head, you know, and I love books. So it's kind of like one of those old-fashioned libraries, you know, the dark paneling and bookcases all around, big overstuffed leather chairs, great for reading books, and, and but it has to have a big window and a view looking out over a lake, a river, an ocean, any of those things will work. Maybe one day I'll have that. Right now I'm happy where I'm at. I have a house. I'm not living in the, in the mission apartment in the back anymore. You see, this is what we have to do, a dream, something that we want to attain. And, and, and the scripture keeps going on, and it says, without this dream, the people. I truly try to check some of these things out. Sometimes we, we take for granted that we know what all this means. This, is, this word even gets down to like the tribes or the nations. In the spiritual sense, in today's context, it's the church. In fact, if you want to sum this verse up, you can say it this way. The first part of the proverb is telling us that without a dream, the congregation will absolve. That's what that word perish means. 
Without a dream, a person will drift. Without a dream in your life, will become, it'll come to nothing. Without a dream, a person is left to, left just to asking himself questions like, what am I doing? How am I doing? Where am I going? It can even get to the place where you ask, why are you even here in the first place? Years ago, God started dealing with me. I had uh, gotten saved. I received Christ as my Savior. First Sunday of March, 1981. Amazing day. That day, God did something inside me and changed me. On the inside. Took a while for the outside. In fact, I was really happy that I knew I was going to go to heaven, but I had my own agenda. I had a five-year plan. I knew what I was going to do. I was going to, I was going to be going to work for a sporting goods company. I was selling fishing tackle, water skis, marine equipment, and man, I was going to make it big in that business. I had a five-year plan. In six months, I had everything in that five-year plan. So I didn't know what to do. So I drifted. And I went around, and I didn't know what to do. And God kept dealing with me. And I said, God, I don't want that part, man. I just want to go be successful by what the world says. I want to have a lot of money. I want to have a lot of fun. And Lord, I don't know that that's going to work out in your plan. So, you know, I know I'm going to heaven. Just let me go have fun. He let me do that for three years, but it wasn't as fun as I thought it would be. He kept dealing with me. And I kept wondering why I was so miserable. Why, why nothing seemed to, to be to last. There was no pleasure. And what it was is God was was calling me. God was giving me a vision. He was working in my life. And you know, when there was no dream, when there was no vision, you just drift around. Finally, I, re I surrendered to what God had for me, and I've been on an adventure ever since. It's been amazing. There's been good times, there's been bad times, but there's also been incredible things. Men like Blake, young men. I got, we have young men all over the, this world now. People that you've been able to, to, to go with. So see, there has to be a dream. Because without a dream, we perish. Without a vision, we absolve. Now, we have a vision statement. I know Pastor Bales a few weeks ago talked about vision and mission. Um, we have a little different one now. My vision, the vision that God has given me, is to reach this world through building relationships. I talked about that a few weeks ago. And, and how in the world can we not reach this world without building a relationship? We have to have a relationship with young men like Blake, with men like Corey. How in the world can I ever express the gospel to you unless I build some sort of relationship? A week ago, Friday, we had 110 middle schoolers here eating pancakes. And they'd been up all night. And in a, about a five to ten minute time period, I got to present the gospel and 15 of them raised their hand to receive Christ as their Savior. But we had built a little bit of relationship. You know how we started off? We started off by giving them pancakes and milk and orange juice. And then I gave, that gave me an opportunity to talk to them. See, we reach this world by building relationships. But we also have a mission statement. And let me read you what our mission at Sunshine Baptist Church is. It says, we as Sunshine Baptist Church are investing our lives and treasures to build a Bible-centered, spirit-filled body of believers who exemplify Christ's love for the glory of God. You see, we have to know as a church, as a congregation, as a called-out people, we have to know what we're doing. 
We have to know how we're going to do it, and we need to know where we're going to do it and why we're going to do it. This statement will help us focus on our future. It will, it will guide us through the present. And because if we don't have that guidance, there'll be no vision and people will perish. So let's break down this statement a little bit. What are we going to do? We're going to reach the world. And how are we going to do that? We are going to do that by building a church. Now we need to go to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Um, guys, show me a, I gave guys a couple pictures. Show that first picture if you will. Ah. This is Caesarea Philippi in Israel. And this is where this passage took place. Jesus came with his disciples and many of his followers, and they went to Caesarea Philippi, and this was a great place, and, and they're having this conversation about who do people say that I am. And in Matthew 16, Peter says this. Verse 16, he says, And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now I want you to look at that picture, and I want you to see what that is. Besides, that was a pretty bad picture because it keeps going up and keeps going up. There's a big rock there. And when Jesus was talking to his disciples, can't you just see him? They're sitting down. There's also a lot of water there. And he looks up and says, upon this rock, and he points to this rock, this huge rock. It's almost like a mountain. And he talks about, this is what I'm going to build my church on, on the fact that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. And then he says something interesting too. He talks a little bit about the, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. The church is a called out bunch of people. You kind of see a little cave over here? That cave was known as one of the gates of hell. It was a temple to Pan. And then in the Roman times, Herod renamed it a temple of Augustus, and there was going in there, in this cave, there was this big temple, and they did all sorts of awful things in there. And here's Jesus pointing to them. This will not prevail against the church. thought maybe little visuals will help you with that a little bit. You see, that's what we're to do. We're to build a church. We are going to, uh, uh, the word is ecclesia. You've probably heard that word before. This church is founded by Jesus Christ on the fact that he is the Christ. The church is a body of believers. <clears throat> it's not this building. We have a wonderful building here. We have incredible facilities. But it's not the building that's the church. It's us, the people. We are the people. And we have been given the power over Satan. We have been given the keys to heaven. And we have been given a mission. The Bible says that we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel. By the way, in saying that, sometimes we think we've got to win everybody. The Bible never tells us we have to win everybody to Christ. We just need to give them the message. We're not in charge of winning them anyway. He is. We are to be giving the message. So, 
we are going to build a church. And this church is going to be a Bible-centered church. You're going to hear me read lots of Scripture. And, and you're going to hear over the next weeks and years, uh, Lord willing, we are going to dig through Scripture. But see, we wanted our church, our ecclesia, our called-out group of people, to not be ruled by the traditions of men. Not to be governed by emotion of the moment. But we want our affairs to be directed by Scripture. You'd be surprised how often we function outside of God's Word. We want everything we do to be based and to be centered and to be right with God's Word. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good work. We want a church that is centered on the Bible. You know, <laughs> I hate to say it, the Jewish folks of Jesus' day, they had lost that. They didn't, they had their traditions that overruled and overwhelmed Scripture so that when their Messiah was standing in front of them, they didn't even recognize it. See, we have to be Bible-centered. But not only Bible-centered, we need to be spirit-controlled. We are to be directed by the Holy Ghost, not by the flesh. Galatians says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Romans 8, 5, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. In fact, Jesus told the disciples that they're supposed to hang out in Jerusalem until they are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And every believer is empowered by the Holy Spirit if we allow him to do that. And we don't want to be governed by our emotion. We don't want to be governed by what feels good. And we definitely don't want to be governed by the trends of society. We want to be led by the Spirit of God. A Bible-centered church, a spirit-controlled church, and then one that shows Christ's love. We're to show love for one another. You know, we love him because he first loved us. That's what the Bible says. And, and, and in John, we hear Jesus say, a new commandment I give you, that ye love one another as I have loved you that ye also love one another. We need to take care of each other. We need to love each other. This called out group of people, this church, we need to love each other. We need to take care of each other. We need to do this within the scriptures and with the power of the Holy Spirit. But not only do we need to love each other, but we need to show a loving compassion to those who are hurting to those who don't know Christ, and we need to show grace to those who oppose themselves. John 4, 1 John 4.10 says this, Herein is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. It's a big word, that propitiation. That means he took care of our sins. He's the one who came and laid down his life 
and gave his blood so that we didn't have to. So by faith in him, all our sins are forgiven. And see, that's the message we're to get out. And we're to have love and we're to have grace and compassion because, you know, folks out there don't know they're even messed up. I didn't think I was messed up until the Holy Spirit revealed that to me. Jude, little book in the back right before Revelation, it says this, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference. Oh, making a difference. Rick and Lydia cooked a bunch of pancakes, and Carol, Carol and Lydia served those pancakes and milk to those kids. They had some compassion on these kids. We shared the gospel, and the 15 are now going to heaven. See, there's all sorts of opportunities for us to share and to love and to minister to those outside us. So what are we going to do? We're going to build a church. Bible-centered, spirit-controlled, showing Christ's love. And how are we going to build that church? By building relationships. And that starts by investing our lives. There's our mission statement. We are investing our lives and treasures, our lives, our time. Colossians 4, 5, walk in wisdom toward them with their wow, redeeming the time. We invest our time in people. We invest our time. I tell you what, that may be the most precious thing we have because we can't get any more of it. This last week was a whirlwind for me. Last week, uh, after church services here, I went next door. In fact, my suit's still sitting in my old office. I'm kind of halfway between offices. I went over there, put on, got a pair of jeans and grabbed a bag, and my wife took me to Tampa. I got on an airplane, stopped in Charlotte, ran to the next gate. Then I ended up in Denver. Took my daughter out to eat, helped her pack the last stuff of her apartment, and Monday morning we drove back from Denver. Not all at one time. We made it as far as Paducah, Kentucky the first night. And then we got in here. And then we got here just in time to get things ready for Wednesday. And then we, it's just been a whirlwind. Our time is precious. But when we invest our pr most precious things into other people, that's what we're doing with Blake. That's what we've done with so many young men. Invest our time. Invest our, uh, our, our lives into others' lives. Miss Kay, you spend a lot of time investing your time and lives into some little kids at a good news club. And they respond to her. She takes a couple, well, about three hours probably every Tuesday during school year. And we go to Neil Armstrong. And she has a, you had fifth graders or fourth graders? Fifth graders. Man, they love Miss Kay. And I'm going to hopefully pick them up in middle school next year. They love this case. She invests in their lives. And these kids, they come to Christ, and then they see someone that loves them and cares for them. And not only does she love and care for them enough to teach them about the gospel, she'll teach them, she'll love them, and care for them enough to correct them. See, she invests her time. She invests her energy. And if we're going to build relationships, if we're going to build this church, we've got to invest our time. Man, through outreach, You'll be hearing about the, these things. 
through prayer. We invest our time through ministry, through service. But not only do we invest our time, yep, here it comes. We invest our treasure. That's money. You know, it does take money to, to uh, it does take money to get things happening. By the way, I have a note here. I should have read that. I can think of two men throughout my, two men that, that really I took a lot of time with. One of them was here. He now lives in Texas. His name is Chris. And Chris and his wife had been coming here for a while. And, and, and uh, one day, I, I just, on a Saturday, I went over to Chris's house, and he was working on a Jeep. And I sat down and helped him work on the Jeep and on the tires. And as we were talking, I got to give him the gospel. And he received Christ as a Savior. I got to spend a lot of time with Chris over the next couple of years before God called us to Lake Mary. And uh, Chris grew, and he, uh, and his knowledge of Christ, and Chris is, Chris is now a, a very upstanding Christian father to his girls. You see, it really works to invest time. It's worthwhile. And invest our treasure. You know, it takes money to send missionaries overseas. It takes money to turn on the air condition and the lights. It takes money to take care of the staff. It takes, it takes money. And we in, this is an investment that will always pay off. 1 Corinthians 9.14 says this, Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live with the gospel. In Acts 13, we see where uh, the church at Antioch took Saul and, and Barnabas and they laid hands and they prayed on them. They sent them out, but they did not send them out empty-handed. We invest our treasures. Yesterday we had a golf tournament. Miss Linda spent a lot of money at the uh, auction. <laughs> we auctioned off all sorts of goodies. and You got good deals. I mean, really good deals on some stuff. Why do we do that? Well, this summer, we're taking our kids, several of our, our young people, Blake and a few others, are going down to Seminole Reservation. We do that every year. We go down and teach vacation Bible school to the little kids on the reservation, helping a church out there. And we get to see little kids come to know Christ, and we get to see kids grow, and we get to see our kids learn how to serve others. And not only that, that takes a little bit of money. Then we have a youth camp coming, and there we, that's a place where we see lives drastically change. Youth camp. By the way, Corey and Jessica, they answered the call to missions because of youth camp. Now they're in Taiwan. In fact, their private services, their services are way over because they're like a day ahead of us. And then we're going to have another mission trip to the Bahamas later this summer. You see, when we invest this money, it goes and we are able to build relationships and spread the gospel all over the world. And that's where we're going to do this thing. We're going to do it throughout the world. We're going to start right here in our neighborhood. We're going to start right here in Charlotte County. We're going to go out to the state of Florida. We're going to go across the United States. We're going to go across the world. 
Acts 1.8 says this, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And the reason we're going to do it is to bring glory to God. You know the second part of that verse where there, we always hear where there's no vision the people perish, but there's another part of that verse. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. When you read that word, the law, in the Old Testament, that's Scripture. When we keep Scripture, we're going to be happy. We're going to be blessed. We're going to be fulfilled. It's just a side, it's just a side benefit of bringing glory to God. We're going to be fulfilled. We're going to see great things happen. You see... All we're doing is doing what we've been asked to do in Scripture. And when we're obedient to that, when we're obedient to God's Word, we glorify Him. And not only do we glorify Him, but then we are blessed. Here, let me kind of sum this up for you. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the church drifts. Where there is no vision, believers never grow. Where there is no vision, the lost never hear of God's gift of salvation. And where there is no vision, there is no joy. My prayer is that we will catch a vision. Now's when I need the ball. I would throw it I know who I'd throw it to, and it would bounce off his head. But Listen, vision is not something you just bring up. It's something you catch. Can you catch a vision for, bring a, for, for building a church? Can you catch a vision for ministering to people? Can you catch that vision? For reaching the world. Let me tell you, when you catch that vision, you're going to be having an adventure you can never, you will never forget. And you will have joy unspeakable. That abundant life that Jesus Christ talks about will be yours because you'll be overflowing. God will be glorified. Things will be happening. Got to catch the vision. Let's pray together. Father, uh, we come to you this morning I'm thankful that you have given people visions over the years that you have given us dreams that we can, can dream and, and that these dreams can be fulfilled that you will empower us to do that thank you Lord for what you have done in the past here at Sunshine and Lord we look with anticipation to the great things you're going to do in the future Father uh, I pray that there's one here this morning that's never received you as Savior. Lord, maybe they've heard the gospel but never called on you. Pray, Lord, that if there's one here that, that doesn't know you as Savior, that, that today they won't leave this place until they, they, they come and they ask. And we have that opportunity to, to show them from, from your word how they can know their sins are forgiven them 
And Lord, they can know they have a home in eternity with you. And Father, for the rest of our congregation, I pray that those who know you, that Lord, we will see the vision that's before us. That you, Lord, that, that, that you will, will show and that you will excite and that you will help them catch a vision for reaching this world, for building this church, for investing their lives, being obedient and glorifying you. Father, may all we do glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. You'll stand. We are old-fashioned.